ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk in the House. How you doing out there? I hope everybody had a wonderful, wonderful week on this day. Hope you had a great week, man, I tell you. My week was good, and shortly we'll be bringing my co-host in, uh, P. Ross, here in a minute. Hey, we got a show for you today, man. I tell you, we have an outstanding show for you today, and I hope you're ready. Ladies, 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 you know what? Today is your day. We're talking about mothers and daughters, relationships, you know, because sometimes the moms be horrible to them girls. <laughs> Yeah, I know it is. Why are you laughing, Mr. Talk? Hey, because it's true. It's true. But, hey, I, you know, I'm a man, so I really can't speak on it too much. But my co-host got this today, and uh, we're going to have us a good time. We're really going to get into this thing. Uh, we got a song of the day for you. We have a black history person for you today. And we have inspirational saying, as we always do at the end of the show. So we're ready to roll. Plus, we got our other little nuggets uh, that we always do before we get into the main, main topic. And, um, yeah, we're we going to have us some fun. <laughs> we are. Now, before we even get started, though, let me tell you how you can be a part of the show because I want to hear from you. And, fellas, you know, if you witnessed something, you know, that your mom was doing to you, if you have sisters and your mom and your sister really didn't get along and you want to share it with us, you're more than welcome to share as well because, we want to get your interaction as to what, you know, the subject matter today. But let me tell you how to be a part of the show. The first and the easiest way is to call me. That's all right. Get on the phone. Call me, 347-838-8622. You press number one on your keypad. Let me know you like to make a comment, and uh, we'll bring you in, hear what you have to say, and we'll go on from there. The second way is you can email me at ericletstalk at gmail.com. That's E-R-I-C-L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K at gmail.com. You can email uh, P. Ross at p.leona, L-E-O-N-A, dot Ross24 at gmail.com as well. All right. Also, chat room is open, and that's www.blog.com talkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. Okay? So those are all the ways you can participate on the show. And trust me, we want to hear from you. Yeah, because I know sometimes y'all get tired of hearing us talk all the time. So we want to hear what you have to say, especially on a topic like today. No, hopefully we can, um, hopefully we can, um, you know, help some people out with, with you know, dealing with what they went through as a child, or you just need to get off your chest, and here's your perfect opportunity, here's your platform, and you can share some of the things with us. Uh, and share with us how you got over the, some of the uh, bad treatment that you received from your mother. Yeah, now don't sit out there and like all, all parents and all mothers and fathers were good mothers and fathers, because we know some of them out there was just horrible. Let's be honest. They were horrible. So, you know, that's what we're going to talk about. And some of you walking around holding them scars, walking around them scars, and that's why you can't have a successful uh, relationship because you're still carrying around some of them battle scars from having to deal with your, your, your bad mother. I'm going to say bad mother. I should say parents, but right now we're concentrating on the mothers so and the daughters. So think about that. And let's see if we can um, 
get some kind of closure for you today. Because, you know, uh, I love it today. I really do. I love today. And we're going to have us some fun. Fun, fun, fun. All right. So, with all that being said, let me bring my co-host in who's going to really be handling the show today. You know, I'm just going to be in the background doing a little producing and stuff like that. Y'all know what I'm saying? Ha, ha, ha. But anyway, without further ado, man, here's the one that has all the pretty words. You know, Jay, she got the pretty words. She makes it sound so good because y'all know me. I'm just ghetto. I got to say it like I feel. You know, but she makes it sound so much better. The one, the only, P. Ross in the house. P, where Hello. you at? Hello. I'm right here. Huh? Where should I be? Oh, okay. I'm right here. Where else would I be at? I don't know. Yeah. You could be out driving a truck. I don't know. <laughs> Not today. Not today. Did that early. Not today. Oh, did that early? Okay. Ah, okay. <laughs> so tell me, what you know, this is your baby. So tell me what you have in store for us today. Well, we're going to talk about the strong relationships between mothers and daughters, um, not just black daughters, you know, black mothers. We're going to be talking about all aspects of daughters, although we know that there are certain aspects that, 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 that pertain to us, I believe that it goes across all boundaries. Everybody doesn't have each other. You know, we hear the old adage that a mother's love is invincible and all of this, but what if you never had that type of relationship with your mother? See, so we're, we're going to do away with the sugar coating, and, and we're just going to be honest today. And those of us who are mothers, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you as well because you know who you are. You're not perfect. You didn't have the perfect, and, and, you know, and if you didn't have the perfect relationship with your daughter, now is is a time to listen in and, and begin to mend those fences. All it takes is, is the willingness to communicate, the, the willingness to forgive and to be forgiven. You know, you can't give what you don't have, you know, and you can't speak what you don't know. So, we're 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 just gonna go over a, a few points, a few a few reasons why, and if you, that fits in 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 your box or or that fits, you know, you or, or what you've done or what you said or how you felt, you know, then now's the time, you know, that that you can you can make it right. This is the this is the opportunity. We're just opening the door for you. You know, it's up to you whether you walk in. We're just putting the information out there. We are not counselors. We are not licensed. We're just going on by things that we have researched, things that we have read, and things that we have experienced and lived in our own lives. And we do hope to inspire and that this will be helpful to some of you out there, even if it's just only one person. We can say we help somebody because we know everybody's not going to take what we say. But we do hope that some people who really endeavor to fix a broken relationship will hear us. So that's where we are. That's what we're going to do. All right. See, I told you she makes it sound so pretty, doesn't she? She makes it sound so pretty. That's, why I call it, that, that, that's my wordsmith right there, I'll tell you, because I couldn't have said it that clean. <laughs> I couldn't have said it that clean. I ain't going to tell no fibs on that. But it's okay. It's all right. So y'all see what's what's coming your way today. And um, I, I, 
hey, I'll be putting my two cents in for what I know because, you know, I, I have two or three minutes, you know, that I, uh, you know, have smart things to say. Just two or three minutes, you know, because as an eighth grade education, you know, sometimes it gets hard to think about some things. But anyway, we're going to move on. As I say, I digress or regress, however you want to say it. All right, so, um, yeah, we got some things we want to talk about. But first, before we do, let's go on and knock the song of the day out the way. Now, I had two choices as far as songs I wanted to play today, you know, especially for the beginning. I got one called Freedom. Then I got Eminem cleaning out my closet. Uh, I think I'll play Freedom first because, you know, I love me some Eminem. I may want to play that two or three times. So I'm going to play Freedom first. And uh, it's, that's going to be your song of the day. Coming from the movie Pitch Perfect 3. It's an old George Michael standard that they did. Pretty nice song. All right. So without a doubt, here's your song of the day. Freedom. Enjoy. Talk to you after the music.
have you ever been hated or discriminated against? I have. I've been protested and demonstrated against. Picket signs for my wicked rhymes. Look at the time. Think it's the mind of the and keep this behind. All this commotion, emotions run deep as oceans exploding. Tempers flaring from parents. Blow them off to keep going. Not taking nothing from no one. Give them hell long as I'm breathing. Keep kicking ass in the morning and taking names in the evening. Leave them with the taste of sour. With vinegar in their mouth. See, they can trigger me. But they're never figuring me out. Look at me now. I bet you probably
All right. That was. Now, I didn't only give you one. I gave you two songs the other day because it's Friday, and that's what I felt like doing. Ha-ha! Hey, I can do that in my show. Anyway, so the first one was Freedom, like from the movie Pitch Perfect 3. And, of course, you know the second one, Eminem and Clean Out My Closet. That's what we're doing. we clean out somebody's closet. Somebody go clean their closet out today of the old bad feelings they had growing up and the mistreatment that they received. So today's your day to clean out that closet and get that freedom from, from, from that, 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 bad, that bad demon that's on you. That's a good way of putting it. Huh? What you think about that, P? What's your thing? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, some, some, some of our parents, you know, we, we say they was, you know, demons from hell. We know. We said that. <laughs> <laughs> Not, not, understanding, yeah. not, not understanding how close to the truth we may have been. <laughs> mm. I know, right? I know. Uh-huh. All right. So that was your songs of the day, man. And, and hey, we ready, We about ready to rock and roll here. But let me tell you once again how to be a part of the show, 347-838-8622. That's the easiest way. Just call. Just call. That's all you got to do. Just call us. Or... You can join us in the chat room at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. Uh, and you can email at ericletstalk at gmail.com or p.leono.ross24 at gmail.com. And for those that may have, you know, certain other uh, forms of communicating with either one of us, you can use that as well. Okay. I'm not giving you all that other stuff now. I'm telling you. Now, y'all going to be blowing my phone up. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway, you know, <laughs> you know I, I just have to put it out there like that. So it's that time, man. It's that time. It's that time. It's that time for what we call that black history moment. <laughs> so without further ado, here's P. Ross and... The Black History Moment. Take it away, P. It's on you. What you all going right, to do? all right, all right. We got a good one for you today. We know many of you. We 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 know probably never have heard of of, of this person, and 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 if you have, good research. Now we've all heard of Tiger Woods, but did you real did you ever really hear of the person who dismantled the Caucasian only clause to even open? Do you even know who that person is? Did you even know that there was a person? who was the so-called Jackie Robinson of the golf world. Huh? Well, I'm here to tell you who that is. His name is Charlie Sifford. That's Sifford, S-I-F-F-O-R-D. Be sure to look him up because I'm just going to hit a few key points because what he has done is so expansive for opening up the the world of, of, of golf to black people. I mean, he was born in June um, 1922 in Charlotte, North Carolina. He was the son of a factory worker. He only, who only earned 60 cents a day and gave 50 cents of that to his mother to help out with household expenses, you know. And then his father used the remaining dime just to purchase a a cigar. So, Charlie Sifford, as a teenager, he became so adept in the game of golf that on Mondays when caddies were allowed to play the course, he was able to break fight his talent 
and his successes. Not everyone was pleased to see a young black kid navigating the golf course at the age of 17. This is in North Carolina. This is the Deep South, okay? At the age of 17, his family moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where he began to play against the area's top black golfers. At that time, it was a drunk began to call in him names and saying things about his mother. He remembered he picked up a Coca-Cola bottle and hit him upside the head with it. And that was part of the reason they had to leave North Carolina. So when they went to 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 Philly, he became um, um, a caddy in the segregated, um, it was still segregated. So it was a segregated golf course. Um, unfortunately, he was drafted, and he had to go into the Army during World War II. He served in the Army in the Battle of Okinawa. He decided when he came back, he decided to make a career of golf. That is the time that he met um, Baseball Hall of Famer Jackie Robinson in 1947. Um, it was right after Jackie Robinson had um, broken the Major League Baseball color line. And he asked him for some advice. And what Jackie told him, he said not to be a quitter. He warned him about all the hostility he would face, um, intruding on sacred grounds of a white man's sport. And he said, above all, do not. You can't be going after these people who call you names or the golf club. If you do that, you will ruin it for all the black players to come. So in 1948, he sought to compete as a professional, but the existing social norms, he was not allowed to play against the white competition and was instead relegated to completing only against black. He was 5 feet 8 inches tall and weighing about 185 pounds. He excelled the black-only tournament, winning the United Golf Association's National Negro Opera Open six times. The UGA was created by a group of black professional golfers, and Sifford was its most prolific champion, winning the Open five years in a row. Sifford was not the first black golfer to seek an opportunity to compete against white players. Players like Ted Rose and Bill Spiller led the fight for years against the Professional Golfers Association, the PGA, as it's known. It was Caucasian only, which denied them the opportunity to participate in the PGA tournament. And that was, at the time, golf's highest level. So in 1952, Sifford was able to play in the Phoenix Open in the all-black foursome that included the legendary former boxing champion Joe Lewis. Unfortunately, when the four men reached the first hole, they found it filled with excrement. Y'all know what excrement means. Uh, Yeah. In his 1992 autobiography, Just Let Me Play, Silver relates a story which demonstrates just how significant the barriers were for black golfers. In December 1955, Dr. George Simpkins, Philip Cook, Leonidas Wolf, and others went to the Gillespie Park. It was a public park in Greensboro, North Carolina, and all five of them were arrested and charged with trespassing on private property, even though the course was owned by the city of Greensboro. The case went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, 
which ruled against the black golfers. Um, even though lower courts ultimately ruled that public that a public course had to be open to all golfers, the city of Greensboro leased the course to a private company, which invoked the rules in restricting blacks from playing. So they got around the court order that said that it had to be open to everybody. See. In 1957, Charlie completed the Long Beach Open, a tournament that sported many of the top PGA stars. Surprisingly enough, Sifford won the tournament by one stroke in a playoff and received a winner's check for $11,500. While the Long Beach Open was not an official PGA tournament, it was PGA. It was a PGA-sanctioned event. So Sifford demonstrated that he could not only compete at the highest level, but he could also compete with white players. So this put pressure on the PGA, eliminating the facade that blacks were not on par with white players and forced the PGA to admit that their Caucasian rule was purely racist in nature. Sifford had come to meet Stanley Moss, the state attorney general for the state of California, Moff demanded that the PGA explain to Sifford why a resident of the state was being barred from competing in tournaments within the state or from becoming a PGA member for any reason other than racial bias. During the time um, that um, this happened because of the pressure, including the threat to bar the PGA tournaments from taking place at a public course in California, the PGA named Charlie an approved PGA tournament player in 1960. In November of 1961, the PGA would officially drop this Caucasian-only clause, and Sifford was granted a full PGA membership. In 1959, Charlie Sifford competed for the first time in the U.S. Open at the Wingfoot Golf Club in Merrimack, New York. He finished in 32nd place. That's out of 147 competitors in 19. Out of that was out of 147 competitors. Then in October 1960, he competed in the Orange County Open in Costa and finished in second place behind veteran Billy Casper. He won the All Madden Open at the All Madden Country Club in San Jose, California, in 1960. One year before it became the official PGA Tour event. In 1961, having finally been admitted as a member of the PGA Tour, Sifford would now face the top players in the sport, including Ben Hogan, Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, Sam Snead, and Jack Nicklaus. He was invited to play in the Greater Greensboro Open in North Carolina and held the lead at the end of the first round. In other words, all these names y'all familiar with, he was ahead of them after the first round. But after receiving a death threat and having to deal with hackers and find several uh, several of the holes on on the golf course guarded by police officers, he fell off the pace and finished in fourth place. Now, out of all of this, all of these players now, he still finished in fourth place. You got the cops there. You got the people who don't want you there throwing things at you, doing all of this. And through all of that, he still finished in fourth place. But after he was leaning on the first, if none of that, if any of if any of that wouldn't have barred him, you know more than likely he would have won that tournament. 
and that's why they were there, to prevent him from winning. Then in 1963, Sifford led the field at the Puerto Rican Open, shooting 277 over four rounds and beating newcomer Chichi Rodriguez for the $10,000 prize. His growing success as a golfer opened the door to other black golfers, including Pete Brown, who became who won the 1964 Waco Turner Tournament in Oklahoma, thus becoming the first black to win an official PGA Tour event. In 1967, Charlie shot a final round, 64, to win the Greater Hartford Open Tournament at the Weathersfield Country Club and Weathersfield Connect. Received a large ovation from the gallery of fans. Fighting back tears, he was able to say, if you try hard enough, anything can happen. As the winner of the tournament, he received a check for $20,000. Then in 1969, he, he won the Los Angeles Open after shooting an amazing, an amazing 28 on the back nine during his opening round. After 72 holes, he was tied with Harold Henning for the lead and defeated him in the playoffs to get his second official PGA Tour win, as told by the L.A. Times columnist Jim Murray, writing about Sifford ahead of the 69 Los Angeles, Los Angeles Open that he, had, that he had won. So this man went through all of this, became successful because he endured. Then in 2014, Charlie Sifford was awarded with the Presidential Medal of Freedom awarded by President Barack Obama. It is the highest award presented to a civilian. He said in this, we give thanks to the trailblazers, to the trailblazers who built the arc of freedom for justice. The president said at the time, on the tour, Charlie was sometimes banned from, from clubhouse restaurants. Folks threatened him, shouted slurs from the gallery. President Barack Obama had said at, this, at the ceremony, and because golf can be a solitary sport, Charlie didn't have teammates to lean on. But he did have his lovely wife, Rose, and he had plenty of guts and grit and that trademark cigar. And Charlie won on the tour twice, both at age 45, but it was never just about the wins, as Charlie said. I wasn't just trying to do this for me. I was trying to do it for the world. And if you want to read more about Mr. Charlie Luther Sifford, look it up on the Internet because there's a lot more to this, to his accomplishment. That is just to name a few. At the end of his life, he died in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, at the old age of 92. Um, And he left behind a legacy of perseverance and success and open the door for minorities across the world. That is our black history person, Mr. Charlie Stifford. All right, Charlie Stifford, I'll tell you. It's ironic that he died in Cleveland because Kev Lee is going to die there tonight. <laughs> I just had to put that out there. I really don't like NBA, but I just had to put that out there for you basketball fans. Um, thank you. Thank you, Ross. That, that, that was outstanding. All right. So, moving right along, moving right along. Uh, we got a couple of nuggets. We got a couple of nuggets we want to talk about before we let Ross take over and get into uh, Why Mama Why, which is the title of today's show. Um, 
see what we got to talk about. Man, this has been a crazy week, you know. It, it, it really has because some of everything has been going on. And let's talk about 45 for a minute. You know, 45, he's a real confusing person. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to say, okay, I was wrong. All right, I was wrong because I did not think he was going to uh, hard Miss Johnson. Okay, I said that much, right? I did say that. So he went ahead and did it. Surprisingly, he did it. So I was wrong. I, I admit when I'm wrong. I admit when I'm wrong. Now he's talking about he's considering pardoning, pardoning uh, Muhammad Ali. Now he said that this morning. The only problem is the the Supreme Court reversed um, Muhammad Ali's conviction, and he, he don't need to pardon Muhammad Ali because he, you know all that was thrown out. So that goes to show. I, I don't think uh, he's really up up to a lot of things. His mind comes and goes. But, you know, let's talk about this Philadelphia Eagle thing, because we still talking about 45. Now, most of the Eagles players, they won't go to the White House, okay? That's nothing new, because I don't think the Warriors went last year either, you know, because of whatever their political beliefs are. And that's their choice. That's their choice. I think with the Eagles, Nick Fowle, Foles, and a couple other people were going pretty much. Not the whole team, not even a lot of teams. So, since it wasn't a big, a lot of people going, uh, 45 disinvited them to the White House. Instead, he held um, what do you call it, a patriotism event, you know, uh, where he had the Marine and Army Band playing the Star Spangled Banner and God Bless America. Of course, we know he don't know all the words to the Star Spangled Banner. That has been proven before. Uh, but hopefully he practiced, but they say he missed some words then too. But, okay, I guess that's neither here or there. Um, but he went on to say that day that the country needs to be to remember the fallen heroes and the country stands together for freedom. We stand together for patriotism. Okay. Um, and then his mouthpiece, Sarah Sanders Huckabee, said this was a political stunt by the Eagles franchise because they planned to attend and then backed out at the last minute. Okay. Now, we already know the Eagles had already, some of the Eagles players like Michael Jenkins had already said they weren't going. They weren't going. And then to top it off, Fox News, you know, that's his channel, though they actually aired footage of of Eagles playing players kneeling, you know, in a circle. The only problem, you know, making you think that they were protesting. But what the Eagles player was actually doing was praying. They were praying. So, of course, Fox News had to go back and apologize for that because they misrepresented the pictures, <laughs> which was interesting, to say the least. Um, but here's... Here's the problem I have with 45 and this whole situation right here. The narrative still is wrong on this thing, okay? The administration continues to want to make this thing about patriotism and the fallen soldiers and so forth and so on, when actually that has nothing to do with it. That is not what the protests are about. 
okay? That's not what it's about. But yet, it seems everybody would rather change the narrative and continue to to uh, put this false information out or, as the administration like to call, alternative news out instead of just face the fact and let's talk about racial injustice, okay? Let's talk about poverty. Let's talk about it. But for some reason, this administration will not talk about it. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like, uh, you know, uh, 44 did a lot of talking about it either, only when it was press. You know, but he did talk about it. You know, I remember when he had Henry Gates and the policemen at the White House, and they sat there and drank beer and smoked cigars and things. So that was something. Now, you have 45, all of a sudden he wanted to pardon all these black folks. That is not the same, man. That is not the same. Now, and I, I've been thinking about this all morning. Why all of a sudden you want to pardon all these black folks? Why is that? Is it just because out of the goodness of your heart? Is it because you truly believe that they have been given a, a, a bum sentence? Well, you know, there's a whole lot of individuals in the prison system that were railroaded, falsely accused, falsely imprisoned. Are you going to go and commute their sentences or pardon them? And by the way, there's a difference between commuting the sentence and pardoning them also. Yeah, I hope you all know that. Um, are you going to go ahead and do that as well? Or are you just going to use specific people to try and, and, and prove a point? Which basically is November is coming up, midterm elections, and what does that make it seem like? Republicans are so well. We see, see our Republican panel, we, we partnered all these people. We can mute these sentences. But does that change anything? Because you still would not admit that there is racial injustice in this country. Now, I'm putting it nicely, okay? You won't admit that. So until that is uh, um, done, I don't think anybody really is going to go, 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 go for this. Yeah, everybody's applauding because I agree. He did a wonderful thing for Marie Johnson. He did a wonderful thing. You know, because she was in prison during that war on drugs thing. And we all know that was just bull crap. But this administration has to stand up and, and, and Actually say, look, we're wrong about this protest, which we know is not going to happen because this guy, he's all about, you know, big crowds. He won't big crowds. He won't people to praise him and so forth and so on. So with that being said, he's never going to come out and say I was wrong And anything. We already know this. It's not going to happen. And then, of course, he got his mouthpiece, Sarah Sanders Huckabee. You know, she, she continues to perpetrate the, the, the alternative facts for him. So, and what I'm saying is, until, until someone want to sit down and have this, have this conversation, have this conversation the way it's supposed to be had, nobody's going to buy what he's doing. I'm not going to buy it. And, of course, you know, I'm not, uh, as I told you all before, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not all that other stuff. I'm me. All right? 
I look at so I'm somebody who look at all of it, and I think it's bull crap. Okay, that, that's what I'm saying. Now we shall see. We shall see how the rest of this go. We shall see. But um, I think this conversation needs to be had, and until the the, the administration goes in and admit that there's more going on than just this patriotism and all this, this you know, against the flag, they're gonna. It's not gonna go anywhere. All right, I see somebody want to comment on it, so let me bring them in. Wait, oh, where P goes? She right here. All right, Triple One, welcome to the show. What you got for me? Who are you? Hello, Mr. Salt. Well, hello, Maze. How are you? I'm just fine. That's good. What you got for me? I know you got something good. I'm wondering what they're supposed to get out of him pardoning this lady. I mean, that's supposed to make him a great person because he did it. Because you have people in prison yeah. that didn't commit crimes and then and still sitting there that need to be pardoned and out. This lady committed a crime. I, I agree with you. I agree. So uh, yeah. if he's not doing it to those people, he ain't doing nothing to make me think that he's doing something great. <laughs> you know, um, the presidents, presidents, all the presidents have, you know, the ability to to grant clemency or pardon individuals. You know, I think um, when Obama was in office, he received like 36, 36,000 requests, and out of that, he only granted clemency to about 5% of those who requested it. Just 5%, which is basically... And they had something to do with what Trump's doing, too. I mean, like, Obama didn't do it, I would do it. And then you're doing it for dead people. They couldn't get it while they was alive. What you giving it to them while they're dead? What good is it going to do? And then you got people in that, like, Black Panther people, why don't you give them clemency and let them come back to this country and do what they got to do because they was only doing protecting their people? But no, we you know what, Mace, that, is, that, that is a great point, Mace, and I have said that as well. If you really want to say, okay, I'm, I'm correcting what was done in the past, uh, pardon Ashanti Shakur. All right? Let's pardon her. But let's remember when he first came in office for the first couple of months of the year, that's the first thing he was yelling, let's bring her back and prosecute her. Yes. So, so you know, which way are you going here? Which way are you going? Now, as I said before, with November coming up here real soon, midterm elections, you know, what's a better way to, to change uh, the way most black people feel about you? Let me pardon a couple of black folks. You know, let's mention Muhammad Ali. You know, black folks love Muhammad Ali. Yeah, that would be a good thing. But he can't come to Harlem, you know. But the funny part was one reporter asked him about O.J., right? Yes. He said, no, not O.J. And I just fell out laughing. I said, dang, O.J. still can't, he can't even get the part of him. And he didn't that even do nothing. He took, his own, he took his own art. And then he pardoned Martha Stewart yeah. and he pardoned all these criminals. I'm like, what's supposed to be so great about that? Yeah. Well, you know. And Martha then he want to pardon himself. Yeah, and then Juliana said he's going to pardon himself. I said, if he, why is he talking about pardoning himself and he ain't doing nothing wrong? Well, you know what? Number one, he can't pardon himself. Number two, I know. Giuliani, Giuliani is just, he's, he's one of those jokers that just run his mouth for no reason. No he's not doing me, that's what he's doing. <laughs> you know, the man actually went on television and said, Kim Jong-un came kneeling, was kneeling and begging to have the summit. 
But, really? but you remember I don't when, think that happened. Well, um, you remember when? Do you remember what Trump said? Is that if they meet and they get together, that he would make a lot of money? And I said, all these Republicans running around here talking about a communist, communist this when Obama was in office and the communists and talking to communists. And he said that. I'm so like, did they hear that? He said that he's going to make a lot of money if he do business. Well, and course. I don't understand that one. Well, you have to understand, Mace, it's a, it's a, big, it's a big plan in picture. See, we, we, when you're looking at 45, 44, 43, all of them, they're just a part of a bigger, bigger picture, bigger plan. I mean, it's a reason why they continue to go after Iran. It's a reason why they continue yeah. to go after North Korea, China, Japan. It's a reason why they keep going after them folks. You know, it's not because those people are doing anything wrong. They want that's resources. not it. Yeah, they want more and the resources. Prices. And the gas <laughs> prices are going up. What happened to everybody that was screaming about the gas prices being up? Where, they go? Where did those people go that was screaming about the gas prices? Now they're going up. They're not saying nothing. I be dang, I say something all the time because I sure hate it. Man, I tell you, it went from a dollar sixty-seven now it's two sixty-seven here. And I, I mean, good lord! And you know, I west it even more. Yeah. yeah. But nobody gonna talk about that. They don't talk about the deficit. They don't talk about the budget. They don't talk about nothing. Because like I said, when they replace Obama, they don't care what the deficit be or the budget from that. They don't care. They don't have no even no stopping or going. And like all these jobs are coming back, people are not working full time. Well, yeah, but the numbers will tell you that, and that's what they go by, the numbers. And you got to pay more you know, for gas prices getting your salary. <laughs> you know, or or as the big the big boast is now, where African-American unemployment rates are at the lowest they have been ever in this country. They're lying. You know, it, <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. Well, right? that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Believe that one I mean, if you want to. What what are we supposed you to do know, about all of this? They coming out with are you supposed to go out and vote for them when election time comes? What is all of this about? I said he gonna turn. On, yeah. I think he's gonna turn on his own on the party that he's in, and there's gonna be a lot of upsetting mad people. I'm just gonna be sitting there laughing. Well, I don't know. You're like you got rid of Yeah, like he got rid of Amarosa. That was his girl, and he got rid of her, and all these other people that's been left and going and just a confusion, and and, and it's just not a smart person in that is doing the job. Yeah. You can put a smart person in there and take a little bit to make a lot out of it. And you can take somebody that's little for a little money, and they can mess up stuff. I mean, big time and run, and there's nothing they can do because it's already done, and you just sit back screaming and hollering. And that's why they were screaming and hollering about Bush, because you're right in the same spot you almost was when he was there. And you haven't realized it yet. Well, we shall see, Huh? And that was my opinion on that. But I still don't understand nothing about him supporting all these people. I don't know what I got to jump up and down about. They think you're supposed to say, give well, me some credit. You, so okay, mate. Let me, let me, let me put it in, in, in this, this form. It's like um, Lincoln doing the Emancipation Proclamation. You understand that, that, that part of it? Mm-hmm. It's like they say the Republicans it's do more for the black people it, than it, they do. Anybody. No, really? no, it's a political move. It's a political yes. move. That's all it is. Well, not working with me. Well, why did Kim Kardashian have to be the one to go up there to to try to get this lady? Oh, uh, because her last name is Kardashian. Did you oh, even realize that? <laughs> Heck yeah. You didn't that's realize why I that? I knew it was a mess hey, when she went. The no. parents used to party together. You know the rich folks together like that. 
And she came out of New York, and the lady came out of New York, like, yes, right, tell me something and make me believe it. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, okay. It, it, it was good publicity. You know, it was. You know, who knows? He may have slept with Caitlyn by now. He just ain't going to tell nobody. This is how you're going to Okay. I'm going to. May told me I'm going too far. All right. I'm just saying, though. I would, you know, hey, who knows? But. <laughs> I know his wife, maybe she yeah, had a break. I know his wife probably had a huh? breakdown or something. Cause I said his wife probably had a breakdown by now. They calling it something else, but she probably lost her man. Yeah, I say it was plastic surgery. Plastic surgery. Surgery. Yeah, I think she was pretty. I don't think I'm going to plastic surgery. You know, she probably is that too. You know, they she, 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 anyway. Um, so. Yeah, Maze. But thank you anyway, because we need to move yeah, on a little bit. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Um, before I bring T in real fast, uh, Monsanto. Monsanto. Y'all know who Monsanto is? The GMO. Or, you know, people. Bear bought them for $66 billion. And Bear says they're getting rid of the name Monsanto. They get rid of that name, all right. Which means Monsanto's still gonna be doing the same thing. They just you just not gonna know it because they're gonna fall under bear. Because when you think of bear, what you think of? Most people think of aspirin, right? Am I right, T? That is correct. Yeah. So now Monsanto continue. You doing ain't You're not gonna really understand that Monsanto is gonna continue doing what they want to do. Now they're just doing it under a pharmaceutical company. So what does that mean? They got all the necessary chemicals that they need. You know. There so, you go. Hey. Yep. There you go. Right there. All right. Um. And one more thing, Louisiana Governor. We talked about this on the show um, last month. Louisiana Governor um, John Edwards signed a bill into law restoring voting rights to people with felony records. It takes effect March the 1st, 2019. Um, the person must be on probation or parole and out of prison for at least five years. At least five years. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a yeah. good thing. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, uh, the right of the Republican side go say, well, you know what they're doing. They let they get the um, they're restoring all the the Democrat rights to vote, so they can. Okay, you know everybody that as we said before, they went to prison. Um, you know, not a a criminal, especially if they went back in the 70s and the 80s. So we know everything was wasn't straight up and up back then. We know this, so. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. And actually, Florida, the state of Florida, is supposed to have it on their their um, ballots their next election. So let's see if it passes in the state of Florida. And I'm sure from Florida it probably goes to Georgia, and then it just moves across. We'll see. We'll see about that one. Uh, that's all I really want to share with y'all today. You know, oh no, that's one more thing. Houston cheerleaders, former Houston cheerleaders. Said the detail alleged mistreatment by the team. Okay, (laughs) 
they said um, they filed a lawsuit claiming they were underpaid or not paid at all, not given adequate protection from aggressive fans, subjected to intimidation and body shaming. Went on to say the cheerleaders are paid seven twenty-five an hour. Uh, claims that the women were being cheated out of their minimum wage because they are not paid for many of the practices, are not reimbursed for many of their expenses. And, of course, they're represented by the, the, the glory hound, Gloria Allred. Now, I'm just going to put it like this. Hell, you're a cheerleader. You've been going through this. Most of you have been cheerleaders since, what, Keith Pop Pop Water? High school at least. All right, now, I'm not saying that they deserve to be mistreated. I'm not saying that. But let's be honest. What do you want? What do you want? You know you're going to be body shamed. You know if you go in there over whatever your weight is, they're going to get on you. You're a cheerleader. Hey, you are a cheerleader. Once again, the Me Too movement is up and running and makes no freaking sense. Now, I really didn't know they were getting paid seven twenty five an hour. You know, okay, maybe they need to get paid more than that. I, hey, I can't, you know. Now, protection from aggression fans, I don't know. You have security at the stadium. You do, I mean, what do you expect? You do calendars with swimsuits and whatever. You think nobody's going to notice you out in the public? What you want, Secret Service to walk with you? It's part of being an NFL cheerleader. Get over it. No, if you don't like it, don't be a cheerleader. You're fine when you're getting all the attention in high school, right? But now you're professional and you got you mad now. Well, you know what? It's okay. It's all right. Because you are a professional cheerleader. Get the heck over it. Get over it. God dang it. Thanks just because you're a cheerleader, you want all that. Now, yeah, you need more than seven twenty-five an hour, you know. But, nah, I mean, really, how, how, how much work do you put in, uh, you know, during the season? You, 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 yeah, I guess you make some. But let's be honest, too. The Houston cheerleaders are not the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Well, they're not that popular. You know, I used to watch a little special where they used to do Dallas Cowboys on TV and you watch them, you know, go out for the team and the lady be telling them, well, you know, look like you gained a little weight. You may need to lose this or, you know, you need to get in rhythm. And that comes with the territory. You've been a cheater all your life. You know this. But now you get Gloria Allred and all of a sudden it's an issue. Get over it. If you don't like it, find another job. Find another job. Hey, go and cheer for the NBA. Go and cheer for the AFL, the Arena Football League then. Get over it. All right? That's all I got. That's all y'all going to hear me say for a minute because I am done. <laughs> I am done. I have nothing else to talk about. Uh, I know somebody mad at me about the Chilean story, but you get over it too. Uh, that's the way I feel. All right? So, without further ado, the topic today is why, mama, why? Why, mama, why? And we're going to talk about the strained relationship between mothers and daughters. And you know what? Being a man, I really can't talk about that. 
So what I'm about to do now, turn it over to my co-host, the one, the only, Kenny Ross. Take it away. It's your show. Go for it. Well, to whatever listener who wanted to request it, show, I do hope that you're living and listening, and I do hope that this is, is, is helpful for you. We did pull some things together, um, some talking points, um, just, to, just to put the issues out there, just to get give something to mothers and daughters to really look at, to really talk about. Because if we understand, a lot of times we do what we've been, what we've been taught. You know, it, it, it goes from generation to generation. If your mom didn't have a good relationship with her mom, then more than likely, yeah, y'all pretty much ain't going to have a good relationship either. You know, you have to make a conscientious, you know, effort. You have to make a conscientious effort to 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 change for change. You know, a lot of times, you know, when we don't we don't like the way our mothers raised us or we don't like, you know, the things our mother did, we say, Oh, I'll never be like her and endeavoring not to be like her, we end up just like her. You know, if if we wanna be honest. You know. Now I wanna I wanna say this, you know, and I took this from the editor's note of one of the articles that 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 we are getting the that we're getting the information from. You know, you know, while the information may be useful and helpful in, you know, helping to repair broken relationships, we want to be clear that there is no shame in cutting toxic toxicity out of your life. That means you have a toxic relationship with your mom. It doesn't matter what she says. It doesn't matter what you do. Nothing is ever good enough. She's always negative. In other words, it's just toxic. And, you know, and if it feels that your relationship with your mother is too damaging and means it's always hurting your feelings, always lowering your self-esteem, then leave it alone. It's okay to leave it alone, you know. I mean, understand, yes, that's your mother, but she's a human being too, and you have a right to be happy. It's okay if you cut the relationship. Understand that. And sometimes... You have to do what's best for the survival of you. See, you know, so we wanted to put that out there, you know, before we really got deep into conversation about this, because we don't want you to think that, oh, that's your mother. You got to respect her. You got to do this, you know. Um, You know, no, no, she's a human being first. She's your mother second. We're all aware of what we do. We're all aware of the mistakes that we made. It doesn't give that person a right just because they birthed you to treat you less than human, you know, to treat you like you don't have feelings, you know. So, no, you can if it's for the benefit of your sanity, the benefit of your happiness, happiness, you know, cut the relationship, you know. With that being said, let us move on. Now, the one thing that that we do realize is that when we have a child, nobody gives us an instruction manual. You know, sure, it's fun making a baby. Everybody loves that part. But it can be stressful, very stressful, raising children with or without the father in your life, whether you're married or not. Relationships between mother and child can be strained, especially between mother and daughter. Mothers and daughters sometimes don't get along. The relationships are strained due to sometimes to emotional instability. The fact that there may have been a traumatic experience in the mother's lives that they never dealt with, 
you know, and then they have a daughter. I know, um, case in point, my mom used to tell me, you know, why, why she never got married. She would always say, long, you know, you know, you can't trust men. They mess with your kids. You know, now, I was a little kid. I didn't understand that. I understand it now that I'm older, you know, but I didn't understand what that woman was talking about, you know. But we 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 were stigmatized and, 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 and traumatized, you know, when we went to church because, you know, people would say, oh, there, there, there go, there go Carrie Mae's little basket, you know, because <laughs> my mom was never married. You know, and this is during the this is during the time, you know, um, late sixties, early seventies, eighties, you know, and and with our grandfather being being a pastor, that made it even more so, you know, harsh. See, and that's another thing when you go to talk to your parents when 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 you have religious parents, you know, the most hurtful thing is that when they tell you, oh well, I don't, when you just want to have a conversation. You know, about, Mom, why would you do this or why would you treat me this way? Or, Mom, why simply, why, why couldn't you love me? What was so wrong with me that you never told me you loved me? You know, and, and we spend our lives, you know, as, as children and then as adults trying to, to, to fix it, you know, trying to fix it. We internalize it as, as, as children. You know, we think maybe we did something wrong and then we spend our whole lives trying to make up for it or to, or to, or to please our parent, you know, in order to earn their love or, you know, in order to, just to earn a place in their lives. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Because if that's how they feel, then they have shown you who they are. It's not changing. And I'm talking to women who are in their 30s. I'm talking to women who are in their 40s. You know, and parents are still living, mothers still living, you know, and you still trying to do everything you possibly can do to win this woman's affection. And and nothing you do, nothing you do is ever good enough. Are you happy with you? At the end of the day, are you happy with you? See? Are you happy with you? You know, and whatever they went or whatever went on in their lives or whatever caused them to feel that way, you know, I mean, decide to just live with it and let it go. At the end of the day, you have to decide to just live with it and let it go because that's who they are. They've shown you who they are, and they aren't going to change. You know, we have different ways to define love. But when we say, you know, and this is the thing, this is the adage, but when we say a mother's love, we expect it to be unconditional. We just expect that. It just goes with the territory. We expect her to be there for us no matter what. When that doesn't happen, it's just unfathomable. You know, we just cannot wrap our minds around it. We are just not able to even, you know, or or, 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 or be able to just, you know, perceive how can my mother possibly not love me? How can my mother possibly not want me? See, when, 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 and when I tell people, you know, uh, you know, when I tell people that, you know, that's what I live. My mother told me that. I was 27 years old before I heard my mother tell me she loved me, you know. You know, see, and, she, and, and she's no longer here. But I had the opportunity at least to attempt to fix it. See. 
so so am I going to go on living 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 my life? You know, feeling bad, feeling sorry. There's nothing. There's nothing she can do now to fix it. And we didn't fix it while she was here. You got to decide to go on with your life. Yes, yeah, she said some things that were hurtful to you. Maybe she even did some things that were hurtful to you. But you're no longer in that place. You're no longer that child anymore. See? You're not that little girl anymore. Decide to move on. Seek for we and, and this is the thing that we do as women, you know, when we don't have that love growing up. We don't have that so called mother's love, you know, and we just can't understand why our moms didn't love us. We look to find it possibly in relationships, possibly in some man. You know, and, and you're not going to get it there either. you got to learn to love yourself first. That's where the healing is going to begin. When you realize that you are good enough for love, you know, that you are good enough for respect. Yeah, we do expect it from our parents. We do expect it from our mother. But we can't internalize those things and spend the rest of our life trying to fix what we never broke. You know, the ultimate shock. The ultimate shock, you know, and, and, and when I tried to have the conversation with my mom, this is what she told me. She said when they when be hiding hot behind religion, you know, we get this phrase, well, I don't have to ask you, I don't have to answer to God. Okay. Shutting down their conversation without even attempting to, to, op- to open it up. See, and that, that's a catch-all phrase. Really? Really, well, God's not here right now. I can't see God. I'm, 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 I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. And if you ever been, you know, growing up, you know, and 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 let's talk about sexuality. Let's talk about sexuality. See, you know, because everybody want to talk about you, the 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 after effect, you know. When you're 14 and pregnant and having a baby at 15, but they never told you anything about your body, you know, it just seems that sometimes mothers are not able to talk to their daughters honestly, you know, about sex, about growing up, about maturing up, you know, about their bodies, about the change that you're going to go through as an adolescent going into a teen about the first time you get your menstrual cycle or you get your period, you know. I had that because my mom didn't have that conversation with me when I was growing up. I made sure I had it with my daughter, you know, so much so that that when she did get her first menstrual cycle, I didn't even know anything about it. She told me after the fact. She was like, oh, mom, I got my cycle. I took care of it. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Well, okay, Uh, okay. You know, because I didn't want her to feel like I felt like that my whole world was falling apart and I was about to die because the conversation was deemed as taboo. See? It takes communication, you know. It takes communication from a young age. If you build that trust with your child, at a young age, even if they get upset with you, even if you do something that they get upset with you and you're estranged for a minute, you know, you still have that foundation to come to. I remember, I, you know, my daughter tells me, well, Mom, I can always talk to you about stuff. My daughter's 31 now. There's no topic that is taboo. 
and we've had our ups and downs, to, to, to be honest, but we've always been able to come to the table and talk about it. If not then, after a while. Nobody's perfect. Ladies, women, mothers, daughters, realize this. Nobody is perfect. See? And reading this article, you know, a lot of the things that this young lady said in this, in this article, one of the things she said is that mothers say to others, daughters, you better watch them little girls you call your friends. See? And she pointed out that a lot of our mothers are the reasons we don't get along with other women. See? And a lot of their mothers are the reason that they, don't, that they didn't know any better. See? They tell you, oh, you can't trust her. They can't be trusted. Where did that come from? Do you really know her that you can't be trusted? See, it ain't good, you know, to, for you to have too many women around. They can't be trusted. Where did that adage come from? Where did that, that, that spirit of distrust and anxiousness come from? See, they always think it. They're trying to get what you have or what you have that another woman wants, really. What is your character? See? And daughters, look at this. The lady who wrote this article, she was saying, you know, her mother had, you know, although her mother had a lot of friends that were women, she often spoke of them with distrust and anxiousness, despite her reservation. You know? You have friends, and then you go, and, 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 and ladies, you know, as children, if we think back, when our mother had friends and they left, what did they do? They told us all about what? All about their business, stuff we didn't even need to know about. I remember that. So-and-so doing this, so-and-so doing But, but, does that really matter? If you see that, what are you doing to change that behavior? Do you recognize that same behavior in your life, and what are you doing to change it? That's where you break the cycle that you don't pass on that same distrust, that same maliciousness onto your daughter and teach her to be the, to be the same way. See? And be accountable. Be accountable for what you do. If you're wrong, learn to be woman enough to apologize to your children. See, it doesn't take much. See, we learn we learn how to throw shade, as y'all call it, you know, from our parents. From our parents. See, we become a generation of, of callous, petty women because that's what our mother taught us. Because we saw her do it, and you know what? We go to school and we do it. If a certain woman didn't, you know, a certain young lady or a certain kid or a certain, you know, girl didn't look like you thought she could look, and because you saw your mother do it with her friends, didn't you do it with your friends? So when we're wrong, ladies, learn, learn. Be woman enough to tell our kids, listen, I should not have done that in front of you. I should not say that in front of you. Forgive me. I'll try not to do that again. Be conscientious of what you're saying because your daughters are going to pick it up. 
Now we can't go back and fix what what what's been wrong. You know, sometimes you know we we try to have a, a congenial conversation with our with our parents and and you know we 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 want to last it off. You know, but no, we've always used humor to mask pain and, and discomfort. See. Some things you just can't laugh on. Some things you've got to be honest about, especially when it comes to the safety of our children. You can't just push it under the table and say it never happened. And this one thing that I definitely, you know, want to address. Now, some of our parents have gone on and some of this stuff they took to the grave. But I want to say this because it, 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 it can be generational. Women are hurting this day because women have been molested as children. They've been raped. They've been molested as little girls over and over and over again. And when they brought it to their mother, their mother told them they were lying. See? The one person who's supposed to believe you, the one the one person who's supposed to be the closest thing to you because they carried you for nine months. They brought you into this earth. And when you tell them, Mama, you know, Uncle so-and-so, or Mama, your boyfriend, or Mama, Daddy did, you know, or whoever it may have been, you brought it to them. And they left you broken, ashamed, and alone and feeling not only worse than a victim, but as if you were a victim. You wouldn't have been fast. See, that's what our parents used to say back in the day. You wouldn't have been wearing them little short shorts. You need to stop working, walking around here looking like that. Well, hell, I'm only eight years old. How am I supposed to look? You buy my clothes. I don't buy my clothes. I am a, I'm a kid. How can I entice a grown man? See? When they blamed you for what you had no control over. And like I said, some of them took that stuff to the grave. And and some of them knew. Some of them are still living today and still denying what happened. Telling you you're lying. But you know what happened to you. See, that's those toxic relationships that I'm talking about when they know that, but because more than likely the same thing may have happened to them and they just buried it because their mother told them the same thing. So rather than deal with it, they rather just hide it because we don't we, we can't we can't have that business out about our family because you know when it's family business we 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 we, we you know we keep it within the family. But then you will hear them say, you know, you can't go over the, the uncle house. I don't want y'all going over the uncle house. They know. They know, and they knew. But rather than deal with it and say, baby, I'm so sorry, you know, uh, you know, measures to protect you as their daughter, as their child, it was easier for them to say because they, they don't know how to deal with conflict in their life. See? They didn't know how to do that Some of them Some of them And for those of you Who have mothers who may be in, may have been Substance abusers You know may have had habits Or alcohol 
you know, abuse alcoholics or, or, or whatever, you know, and left you in harm's way. You know, I'm just trying to cover every aspect because I really want you to look at it. I want you to look at at at, at the character. I want you to look at, at the circumstances and, and really deal with it. And no more of this sweeping it under the rug. Sweeping it under the rug. Because a lot of this is why you make the decisions that you make, why you act the way you act, and definitely why you think the way you think. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bringing this out in the open for you to be angry. I'm not bringing this out in the open for you to hate your mom. I'm just bringing it out so that mothers and daughters can at least open up a conversation to the truth. And be accountable and responsible for the part mothers that we play in. Some things, some things were done unintentional. Some things were done unintentionally. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Unintentional, and you know. I, I need to, as you as you're talking, you know, I, I'm thinking of some things, and you know, I, I want to reiterate uh, something that you said earlier, and that's about the 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 inner conflict that some of these mothers had, you know, um, growing up. You know, as they became adults, you know, they went through some things that they didn't understand as well. You know, we, we like to look at it sometimes and say, well, you know, my mother was horrible, whatever. But but as Cross has said, you know, sometimes you have to understand that this is a cycle. It, it, it's a cycle like anything else that, that, that has to be broken. One generation has to break it because the only thing they're doing is mimicking what they have seen and what they have been through. Now, what happens is sometimes they realize, wait a minute, this is not right. You know, something don't feel right about it. And it causes inner conflict. You know, because they're dealing with the pain. You know what I'm saying? They're dealing with pain. They're, they're dealing with, 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 they just don't know. They just don't know what to do. So to them, they're, they were doing or they are doing what they feel is best. Okay? I'm going to treat you this way. That way when you grow up and you become an adult, you will, you will be able to handle whatever is thrown your way. Not knowing that what they are creating is a toxic relationship between you and her, because as P. Ross has said, the communication isn't there. It's not there. No, so in kind of a sort of way, trying to tear you down is their way of saying, "Well, I'm helping you build you up." When the opposite is doing actually the opposite, it's ruining your your self esteem. It's ruining uh, your ability to have a functional relationship with someone else because now what they're doing is passing that pain and conflict onto you and you're beginning as you become an adult you begin to carry that into your relationships and you wonder why your relationships aren't working because you're still carrying that pain and that inner conflict that was passed on and what has to happen is you have to break that cycle you have to break it but before you do that, you have to realize what's going on and be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. And, and, and make a decision 
said, no, I will not do this. This is not what I, I was going to happen. As Ross said, a lot of parents, a lot of mothers and grandmothers, what have you, went to their graves with a lot of stuff that would explain why, what, why they acted the way they did. But we know as a black community, you know, growing up, a lot of times back in the day, it was better not to say anything. Just let it go and hopefully it die out. You know, until you got a cousin or somebody who gets drunk and tells the truth about it. Exactly. You know, so if, if, if you're going, if you're going, if you are in this situation or have been in this situation, you know, realize, realize that you don't have to go through this anymore. But the first thing that you have to do is be true to yourself and realize, no, 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 I'm not doing this. I'm not going to do this. You know, and the only thing it takes is self-analysis. Think back. Sit back and just think about it. And you'd be surprised at what answers and the clarity you, you have and you becomes and it helps you, you know, slowly move away from it. Because it's not going to be anything overnight. Let's, let's make that clear. It's not going to be overnight. It's, it's going to have to take a gradual, a, a, a gradual progression. Even if you have to go and talk to someone. You know, talk to someone about it. You know, but you have to open up and, and, and let it out. You just can't keep walking around holding it in. That's basically what I'm saying. I'm sorry, Pete. I just had to get that in. Go ahead. Oh no, you know you good. You good. You know, and 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 that's true. You know that that is that is that is all truth. We have to be cognizant of of that. Now, in this article, uh, it came from Madame Noir, and it's it's called. Uh, the strained relationship between black mothers and daughters, you know. And, and and as I was telling you, you know, you say you're running around being fast, but you don't know, you know, when this has happened to you, there has to be a conversation, not accusation, because then you're alienating your children. You're supposed to be there to protect them. Listen to them. See? Listen to them. You have to understand, you have to reason, you know, that your child would not, your eight-year-old, five-year-old, however old, would not come to you with, with, with something like this if it were not true. Where are they getting this from? Now, and you got to know your child, too. You got to know your child. See, because some, some kids are, are, are you know, they, they're, vindic- they're, they're vindictive. You know they want to go live with their dad, so they're gonna they're gonna make up a lot. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about when something like this has actually happened. We got to stop sweeping it under the rug. You know you can't call your your child fast. The one the one article you know that that, that this young lady wrote, you know, and 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 she had a good point. You know. So she said that even though none of us were conceived through immaculate conception, many black mothers take a very honorary approach to their daughter's looming womanhood, transitioning from caretaker to competition when the situation calls for more of a mommy to mentor the swamp. And because many of our mothers were inhibited from exploring their womanhood in a positive and culturally informative manner, they grew to demonize and misconstrue its expression, its expression, 
wrongfully attributing our maturity to our ability to grow breasts and hips and attract men, as if womanhood is synonymous with sexuality. See, why would you perceive your daughter as competition? Just because she's growing up. See, the two don't equal the same, you know. And in this day and time, when we look at our, our young black kids and even our daughters in general with all these hormones and everything in, in food, they're maturing a lot faster. Are you there to protect them? Are you educating them about what's going on with their body? Or do we still have this same mentality? You know, she goes on to say that after all, the black girls want to look grown and act grown, then who are we to concern with their grown age sexual activity? For many of us, it wasn't the men in our lives who failed to protect us. It was the women casually turning us over to our own devices as some sick form of punishment for perceived disobedience, only to breed future generations of women who take pleasure in seeing other black women suffer generations like ours. See? See, I told you. I told you. It wouldn't work. See, the I told you so. That's an indication that you are looking for. I don't understand that. You're looking for your own child to fail. I told you your marriage wasn't going to work. I told you he wasn't no good. What are you doing? What are you doing? They don't need anybody else to degrade them. They need somebody who's going to uplift them and say, baby, I know you're intelligent. I know you're smart. I know you can do it. I know you can be successful. They got the whole world already telling them what they can't be and what they can't do. We don't need another woman, especially another black woman, and our mothers least of all, to tell us that. You know, have we become so emotionally callous, you know, that we just, you know, expect our children to fail? She said in this article that good intentions isn't enough, particularly in a world where one of the first life lessons will teach her is that her lights aren't free. She's got to earn every last one. We commend black women for becoming so emotionally callous that they fall back at the drop of a dime while expecting them to emotionally commit to the challenge of motherhood. Unfortunately, our minds don't work like that. We don't just stop being wounded once we hit the front door, and it's often our children who deal with the scars alongside us. See, all that baggage that comes from the outside world, who do they dump it on? See, we have to understand that, understand that, because she's bringing to you what's been dealt to her. How do we turn that around? Number one, recognize it. That's the first thing. Recognize what you're doing to your own daughter. Recognize your shortcomings and deal with them. See? Don't be jealous, and this is another thing, ladies. 
Don't be jealous if your daughter has a good relationship with her father. That's her protector. He's supposed to be. Maybe the relationship with him and you didn't fall out, but is that a reason? Is that a reason for you to be jealous of her or to be angry with her or to prevent that child from spending time with her father? She needs some stability in her life, and that man can teach her the type of man that she needs to have when she grows up so she doesn't fall for anything. You can't do that. See, you can't do that. So don't prevent them. If if she has a great relationship with her father, let her, let her have it. Let her have it. Because he's going to be able to tell us some things that you are not. See? We're going to go ahead and take a, a comment from the um, line. Go ahead. Hello? Yes. Hi. Uh, I'm Freddie calling from California. I did want to comment on the topic of bad mother-daughter relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I first – growing up with a mother and two sisters – uh, now, what happens? What happened with me, and I noticed there was something very wrong here. Um, I grew up with a father; they didn't have a mother, so this mm-hmm. caused him to be very insensitive towards my mother. But then on the other tail end, my mother grew up. I'm seeing I'm, I'm, what I was seeing like three generations of no man in the home. So well, what I find is that when what I grew up is what I, what I saw. When my mother started teaching and raising my two older sisters, um, what I saw was this like that what it crippled them in a toxic way is that when a guy when a man tries to tell them uh, or show concerns, unfortunately, she takes she, my mother will often take the side because via my dad she'll take the side of her daughter, and that's not always a good thing. No. And I, I feel like I feel like if 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 when a mother has to always be right and she doesn't want to hear the truth of things, where she messed up with her daughter, then what I find is that she'll value the opinion of her daughter because right now when when there's problems in the home, they don't when there's family, it's just like well, my mother seeks guidance from my older sister and doesn't get me. It's like when they, it's like, it's like kind of like a dictatorship here and Mm -hmm. they don't want to hear outside truth. So I I feel like it's kind of like detrimental to the fact that, you know, you, you can't admit when you're wrong, but also you're also going to exit out any other male point of view in the family. Um, That's not due to them just being women due to my dad too, but it's, that relationship is very toxic and I kind of look at my mother differently. You know, I don't know how to say it, but it's like, I feel like when I try to get guidance as far as how to deal with the women, I'm, I get this one-sided biased perspective. You know, I, I, it's hard to, I no longer, I'm saying this, I no longer look to my mother as 
good as a good advice giver, you know, because of being raised by three generations, well, actually two, she's the third, but being raised by two generations of older women who had no, no man there, I, I look at it as if there's some kind of skewed bias against men. And, yeah, I see that's yeah. a very toxic one. Yeah, and, and, and I understand what you're saying in there that very well may be true. It, 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 and this is what I was talking about, you know, earlier, you know, about the hidden things and, and the things that, you know, the emotional things that, that women have gone through from previous relationships and that skew, you know, their perceptions for future things, and they pass that on down to their daughters. Now, the one thing that they have to realize, every man is not the same. Just because you met one and you guys didn't work out and they made some mistakes and you made some mistakes as well. You have yeah. to take some responsibility in that failed relationship as well. See, and that's the thing. There's no account. Nobody wants to take accountability. Nobody wants to take responsibility for the part that they that they play. And rather than raising your daughters or your sisters, so so to speak, you know, to make better choices, you know, and rather than than because I have sons, I, I have sons, and I have one daughter, and 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 I tell my sons' girlfriends or wives or whatever the same thing that I tell my my sons. I'm not getting in your relationship. What you all do at the end of the day is up to you, but this is my advice. Now, what you do from here is what you do. It's totally up to you. I'm not taking your side, and I'm not taking your side, you know, because, you know, it, it, it takes two nickels to make a dime, and both of y'all got your, your, your part that you play in this. Now, what you need to do is sit down and talk to each other, and like you said, be honest. That's the thing. If we wrong, a lot of women, you know, just because they mom, they don't want to admit that they made mistakes to their children. You're not always right. Now, you can't say, well, at the end of the day, you did the best that you knew how to do. And when you learn better, you do better. You know, but standing on the old adage that I'm mom, you know, I don't have to answer to you, that's not going to cut it. Because as you said, you keep creating toxic relationships and you're alienating your children. And I understand, sir, how you feel like an outsider. But if nothing changes, you know, and keep getting hurt, you know, is it really worth it to keep making an attempt? And I did want to say this, and it's kind of frustrating when I get more praise and I get more praise and accolade and cooperation from my sisters and especially particularly my, my, my second oldest sister, my mom. Like if I go along to get along and show more and listen to the problems, concerns and acknowledge it, mm-hmm. all of all ears are open. But mm-hmm. as soon as I show any type of masculine male assertiveness, like, okay, I don't agree with that, uh, this woman's wrong, or, you know, just, or um, or I don't agree with uh, what hit me top of his house. My opinion, and, and I, I get pushback often, it, it, you know, it's, it's and, and the fact is that with my sister, my mom and my older sister, she depends on my mom, you know, my mom's in the 70s, she's in the 60s, so she, she's getting older, uh, mm-hmm. You know, she, and, and you know my 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 older sister, she's like in her late thirties, 
And so mm-hmm. they talk a lot and like to talk amongst each other and don't share what's going on in family matters. So mm-hmm. I feel like, it, so it's frustrating when I try to talk to my mom, but then well, I've literally had to tell my second oldest sister who sometimes speaks for my mother to be quiet. And it's like, you're not, and I have to tell, and it's like, uh, when you think that you are the el- the woman of the house, now technically my dad, he's almost dying. So that automatically makes me the, I'm the oldest male in the house. I'm going to step up. Okay. Uh, I feel like, I feel like it's, it, I get more pushback by trying to take that role. And it's, it's very, it makes me very mad. And, I, and I've tried to tell my mother this, but she has blown it off for like four years. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt the same sense towards her, you know? I don't know what to do with that other than leave it alone. Well, you know? it's definitely, it's definitely something that, that you're going to have to, you know, um, at least you're, you're acknowledging your feelings. It's definitely something that you're going to have to deal with. But if she's not going to acknowledge it, you know, once you tell her how you feel, you know, and let her know you've got to decide, you know, is it really worth it or just let it go. Yeah. You know, and and not keep being angry, not keep being, you know, frustrated, you know, uh, about it, you know, because you can't change. The only person that you are in control of is yourself. You can't, you know, get upset. I mean, you can get upset, but what is it going to benefit you? If nobody's acknowledging your feelings, if nobody's acknowledging how you feel, even though that is your mother, you got to realize she is who she is at 60. More than likely, she's not going to change. Yeah. You know, she's not going to change. And you've got to come to a place where, you know, you, you you get peace with yourself. Now, I don't know if, you know, if you believe in God, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or any of that, you know. But sometimes prayer, you know, and just ask God to take things away from you and forgive them for you. Once you forgive them for you, that peace is going to come because you're not holding on to all of this animosity see, towards her. And you learn to love her in spite of, in spite of all that she's done, you know, because now that you say, okay, God, you can help me, forgive her. You got to help me, you know, see her, you know, the way that you see her and, and leave it alone at that. For sometimes it's your own mental stability. And then on top of that, sometimes you just got to walk away. Sometimes you just got to walk away, you know, whether it's for good or whether it's just for a period of time, you know, in in, in order for you to remain healthy. Because it makes no sense beating your head against a brick. If they're not going to change, son, they're not going to change. If there's nothing you can do about it. Now, how you react to it, like I said, is totally up to you at the end of the day. Because sometimes you got to just choose to do what's best for you. Right. Um, have you, I want to ask you something, have you had other men kind of say, like, in a similar fashion? Kind of like, yeah, when I try to act this way, I, you know, I get pushed back, but, you know, like I mean, have you like any like have has any like have you noticed like other black men have 
said this to you and you're like, oh, like, how, how does, this, does this sound familiar to you? Yeah, there, there, are, a lot, there are a lot of, and, and, and Mr. Talk, if you can comment on this, if, you, if you've ever been in, in that place, um, there are a lot of, I want to say, bodacious, bodacious women who, you know, won't hear anything a man has to say and have a way, and I know that we as black women, we have a way with words that we can make you we can make you you feel smaller than an atom. You know, by the time we're 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 done talking to you, you know. Now, does that make it right? No. Especially when we want to be right, or especially when somebody from the past has hurt us, and you remind us of that person, and it may just be something you said, or it may just be something you did, but we have to realize that you are not that person. But we do have a way of belittling men, you know, and, 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 and well, for whatever reason, for whatever well, reason. Well, you know, you know I, 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 I listen, and I think what he's going through right now is it's not, it's directed at him, but it's not directed at him. Okay. Um, from, from what I understand, Basically, your mother is feeling. You say your your father is dying, correct? Yeah, I said my because my dad was very abusive in many ways towards my mm-hmm. um, towards my sister mm-hmm. and my mother, and that has a lot to do with mm-hmm. it. But also, the other half is well, my mother grew up with a single. She has a typical story, but grew up with single mother parent home, and my mm-hmm. also great grandmother was single parent home for a brief time too. So. I said it's like three generations and me being a fourth one. Uh, but I was just lucky enough mm-hmm. to somewhat have a dad in my life, but it's still mm-hmm. that, that whole single mother mentality on her side. So right. that combined with abusiveness, it's just like, okay, men's is what men are going through. It's kind of not, you know, we just want to acknowledge this because now we don't want to talk about it, you know? And it's very mm-hmm. frustrating. It made me very angry. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to say something at the end, but I'll let you finish. Um. Well, you know, um, like I say, it's directed towards you, but it's not directed towards you. Um, I think it is. How can I put this? It is it, 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 trying to deal. She's trying to really deal with what's going on right now. Um, say abusive, and that that. That creates a whole other issue in itself. Um, she she's probably looking at you as okay, you know, he's trying to step up, but no, I'm not ready for that yet because I'm not through dealing with, with with what your father has done, you know, through his time. Yeah, he may be dying, but he's still there, and, and yeah. he's still weighing on. You understand what I'm saying? Now, and then you go back to the to the three generations. Uh, of women, so that that puts a whole different twist on it in itself. Now yeah. she's trying to decide. Okay, am I gonna go? Am I gonna once again have to take the lead and, and take care of household like my mother, grandmother did before, or you know, am I gonna let him, you know, step up and be the man he he, he needs? To be? You know, it's not. It's really not you. It's it's basically an inner an inner battle that she's having within uh, herself. You know, and you know, I understand you try and talk to her. You try and talk to her. Uh, I think you still need to try and attempt to communicate with her. 
But I think you have to find the right time, the right time to talk. You know, yeah, maybe you know yeah. when she has a guard down. Because right now her guard is up because she she really doesn't know uh, left and right at the moment. That's what it sounds like to me. But before you say what you're going to say, all right, y'all, we got ten minutes left in live airtime, but we will be going in overtime. So if you're not on the switchboard, you need to get here three four seven eight three eight eight six two two. All right, go ahead, Freddie. What else you wanted to add? Okay. You know, I don't like to leave things out. Um, you know, I saw this, and this kind of ties in what we're talking about. I have, um, I have, I saw this video of this uh, little black girl that was fighting. It was, I don't know where it was, but it was a little black girl, and she was being jumped by a bunch of, by a group, by a group full of Asians. High school. This is like middle school, high school. And what I saw to me was a very, very big problem is that when you have to have the females play the role, I'm almost to the point where I'm kind of literally convinced, like, okay, we all know our women can handle themselves. But the thing is, do they have to? And it shouldn't be like that because it's like, why is this girl fighting all these? She's fighting the boys and the girls. And all the brothers are just standing there, all the, are just filming it. And they're not even helping her. And I'm just like, what makes you think that? You, I was like, okay, yeah, we know you're strong. You can handle yourself, but... It's it's like it's like you're literally telling me and everyone else and said, okay, you can handle this. Your it's your fight, you know. It's you can you can handle the world on your own. You can handle this community's problems on your back. No one told you. It's like okay, it's like so it's like no one told you. Well, they did, but then after a while, it's kind of like you could have the you forgot to say, hey, can you handle this? And what I see is almost to the point where you when you told me about my mom, it's like well, you want. You want the men to be there, but the thing is, I, are they ready to are are they ready to answer to the men in their family or the guys in their life to where they have messed up, you know? And and like like said, some are not ready for that, and I see that as a very big problem to to have your to have the daughters always step up all the time and you're frustrated and you're saying men don't want to be here. It's like, well, um, I'd have to say, no, that's different. I feel like you don't want us there because not all these brothers don't want to be there. I feel like, I, I feel like to me, I'm almost convinced you can handle it. And I feel like I'm not needed. That's how I really feel right now. You know, I'm like, I'm not needed. I'll just be a man on my own. you like my own life. But as far as with you, it's like, you got this. I'm not needed because you look like you can handle it. That's that's kind of how I really feel, like with growing up, you know. But that's just that's just me. I don't know if any brothers really feel that way, but that's kind of like how I've been made to feel. I'm just like, okay, I'll just do my own thing, and just let you handle it, you know. Right. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know that that is a uh, a product of a toxic relationship. You know whether it's it's, it's uh, from uh, past experiences of, of mothers. You know she didn't have with me and what have you. Um, and a lot of times you're right. It does force uh, the, the guys to say, "Look, I'm uh, okay. Look, I, I'm not dealing with this. I'm going out. I'm handling my own." You know, but as you have said and as you are saying. Look what's what going on now. You're still questioning yourself. See what I'm saying? You're still asking yeah. yourself, uh, um, you know, am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing this or should I be doing that? Because right now what has happened is 
that, that sense of doubt has been instilled in you, even though you're trying to fight it, it's still there. Until you yeah. really decide that, look, either I am or I aren't, I'm going to let it be as it is, then, you know, you're going to continue to have these doubts. And, and you know, like, like P. Ross said earlier, you just, you know, basically it's going to come to the point that you can't, you know, come to, y'all can't come to some type of resolution. You're just going to have to, you know, look out for number one, as you said, you know, and hopefully yeah. you don't repeat that same cycle if you have kids and what have you. Okay? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Freddie. I got another call I need to let in. All right. Um, but but thanks, man. That, that's some good stuff. All right? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Let me welcome Angela to the show. Angela, welcome to the show. Uh, what do you have for us today? Hello. Um, I was calling in. I kind of wanted to make a comment about what the next, the last speaker was saying uh, about uh-huh. about him stepping up and taking the lead role. And I have brothers. I have brothers, but if you, if he haven't. With me on the woman's side, when I see when he have not ever stepped up to the leading role, leading role, I wouldn't be ready to let him lead me. So mm. I can understand him feeling that way of why his sisters won't let go. The reason I wouldn't let go is because as we were brought up in kids, where were you when I needed you? So... I mean, I wouldn't leave me now. Hmm. You know, I never thought about it like that. Pete, you ever thought about it like that? Yes. Particularly, yes, and that is what we do. You know, that is what mm-hmm. we do because if, you, if, you, if you've never been there before, like she said, why, why, how can I, especially, you know, as a woman, when you have trust issues, you know, when you're used to doing everything by yourself, it, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, almost I would say impossible to allow somebody else to take that lead. See, you you have to build that trust. See, and again, you have to be again willing to change. And if you're not willing to change, then you're never going to move beyond those boundaries that you built. So you're never going to be able to allow anybody, you know, whether they prove themselves or not, to take the lead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you've never done it before and you want to do it now, you're going to always look at, well, where were you when? But I think from, mm-hmm. from, from what he was saying, you know, he's always been in a place where even when he wanted to, even growing up as a child, he was never allowed to because he said he always mm-hmm. got pushed back when he tried to, you know. And, and, and as for men, when you're raising sons, if you can, aren't any child, if you continue to do that, what you do is cause them like he is to be doubtful and to be insecure of who they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, see. So we have to we have to understand that. So it 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 it, it inhibits them from really wanting to take the role because now they're gonna really question. You know, well, should I do this and, and how's she gonna think or how's it gonna be perceived? So, you know, that's a big step in and of itself trying to do that when you've always gotten pushed back. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Angela, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, 
Yeah, because I really wanted to listen in on this topic is because I see that this storyline, I see that so much in my life um, mm-hmm. about the mothers and the the mothers and the daughters like competing against each other instead of her being loving and teaching me. She did things that I did, or if I had friends, she didn't like my friends, you know, things like that. Yeah. So yeah. it was, you know, it was a competition with us. Yeah, I can, I can, I can understand that, and it puts you in a, it puts you in a very uh, bad light because what you need is a mother and not a friend. And unfortunately, right. in, in these times and in this generation, too many mothers are trying to be their children's friend rather than be their mothers, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't need another friend to run to or you don't need another friend to stab you, a so-called friend to stab you in your back. You need a mother who, who can help you to understand how to maneuver through this life. But then, mm-hmm. on the other hand, when you look at it, and you, and I don't know about your grandmother or, you know, your grandmother before that, how were they raised? When I had to come to the conclusion about why my mother never loved me or I had to wait until I was 27 years old before I heard it from her, and even then I didn't believe it, you know. Mm-hmm. Because when I was growing up, she, she made it very clear that she didn't want me. You know, I wish she was never born. You should have been a boy. You know, all of those things that she said that were very hurtful to me and that crucified my self-esteem, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I had to understand later on in life that she never knew how to love because she never felt love. Okay. You, 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 you see what I'm saying? Her mother was possibly the same way because they didn't have time to say, oh, Pookie, I love you and all this stuff in the shower, you know, to shower us with hugs and kisses, you know, like we would have wanted to be, like we've seen other parents do and wonder what mm-hmm. was so wrong with us because that's what we do. We we internalize wow. it in ourselves and we wonder what is so wrong with us that my mom, of all people, doesn't love me. And we, we, like I said, we spend our lives trying to please them, trying to win their approval, see, knowing that it's not ever going to happen because at at some point you've got to realize that they are just incapable of showing you those emotions the way that we want to receive them. Some parents, the way they show you that they love you or that they care about you, it, they, they, they put everything in work. They put everything into providing for you, and they never say mm-hmm. it. And they think that because you live under their roof and you got food and you got clothes and, you know, they tell you to get a good education and they make you go to school, you know, that that's their way of showing, hey, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about your future, even though it may never come out of their mouth. But sometimes we need to have that communication, you know, to help us to become better and stronger women so that we don't repeat the cycle in our own children's life. But the most important part is recognizing so that we don't do that and endeavoring to be better so that when we have sons and daughters, we don't continue that Mm -hmm. same cycle of abuse. Because let's be honest, that's just what it is. I mean, who wants their daughter to grow up insecure? Who wants their daughter to grow up with a low self-esteem just so you can have something to talk about with your friends? 
you know, that's very hurtful and it's very destructive. So we have to learn how to rise above. And as I say, it's going to take prayer. It's going to take going inside ourselves and being honest with, okay, God, this is what the situation is. I don't want to feel like this no more. Deliver me from this situation. Show me who I am in you. Mm-hmm. So that we return to the one who loved us first. Before we became our parents, we belong to him first. He loves mm-hmm. us in spite of. And if we can learn to take that same unconditional love and apply it to ourselves when we look in the mirror, then we know we can apply it to others in our life, regardless of the flaws. And we can turn around, and because we know that we have self-worth, and because we're not those things that everybody else said, we can turn around and forgive our parents and understand that they did the best that they knew how to do. And we can't change anything about that. And take from that the strength that it caused us or that it gave us to persevere. We have to find a positive in it somewhere in order that it doesn't destroy us. And I and I hope you I hope that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that, that's some good advice there, um, P. That's some good advice. You know, man, I, I'm sitting here thinking, and you know. Even though you have gone through such a hard time or, you know, you, have, you haven't you have had the ideal relationship with your mother, you know, and as an adult it has caused you to doubt or, or you know, have unsuccessful relationships, you have to remember, just like Pete said, you know, Jesus loves you, but there is someone out there to love you and show you the love that you didn't get. Of course, it's not going to come from your mother. Um and that's a sad thing, but there's someone out there that is willing to give you the love. The, the only issue with that is you have to be willing to open up and let them. Because what usually happens in these situations like that is you haven't been showing it, so you really don't know how to accept it when it is offered to you. You know, because what happens is you become more suspicious and and, and cautious. <laughs> And that, I mean, that's what happens. You you become suspicious and cautious You're because you haven't been shown that love growing up. So now as you become an adult, you really don't know how to take it. Now, correct me, Ross, if I'm wrong, but that's the way that I see it. That, that is true. Mm-hmm. That, that, is what, that is what we do. That is what we do, you know. And, 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 and again, you know, because we've been beaten down so much by the one person who beyond a shadow of a doubt is supposed to love us. This, this, this is where we get our morals from. This is where we get our ideology on what love is and what relationships are supposed to be. We get it from our parents. Mm-hmm. See? But we must understand, like I said at the beginning of the show, they're just human too. They're not perfect as we are not perfect. You know, don't have to follow in the footsteps that they were in, you know, we can learn better. And when we learn better, you know, we endeavor to do better. 
But but the other thing, the one most important thing that that I learned through through all of this is that I had to stop hating her. Because in hating her, I was hmm. killing her. Because every decision that I made in my life, every decision that I made in my life, up until the time I decided, you know, that, you know, I got into a place where I could forgive her. You know, every decision that I made was based on what she did, what she said, and how she treated me. Whether I realized it or not, you know, because I was always going to prove her wrong. See, and you, you can't live like that. You got to make the best decisions for you because that's what you want to do and who you are and who God has called you to be, not based on one person's opinion or trying to prove them to, to anything. The Bible says that we owe, we owe no man nothing except to love. That's it. That's it. We don't own anything. We don't live to please people. We should be living to please God. You know. And in order to do that, we got to find out who we are in him first. Because that mother, she brought us here. She carried us for nine months. Of course, she brought us here. But she has issues, too. She's not perfect. Just as I'm sure as, as, as we raise our kids, they're going to have some issues with us, too. Our relationship with them ain't going to always be hunky-dory. But at least leave the door open where you can sit to the table, like I said, and talk. And no subject should be taboo. Even when it hurts you. No subject can be taboo. And because the door is open for the conversation, you begin to build your relationship again. But if they won't even open the door, if they won't even acknowledge how you feel, if they won't even acknowledge you as a person, then, you know, cut your losses. Cut your losses. And endeavor just to be the best person that you can be, whether they whether they want to be a part of your life or not. Because some people, you know, like my mom told me, I ain't got an answer to you. I got an answer to God. Okay. You know, that's harsh. That's harsh to just cut you off. <laughs> oh, man, I'm thinking about that. That's harsh right there. It was. It, it was. It, it, it was. It was. Because there was a lot of rift between me and her, a lot of things that she said, the favoritism between um, um, me, my brother, and my sister, a lot of things that, that happened even even after I left home, you know, you know, that, that happened between my brother and, and my children, and, and she held even after her dying day that I didn't find out until after the fact. But, you know, I, I can't go dig her up out St. Nicholas Cemetery and, and, you know, shake her and say, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I have to decide to let it go for my own stability, for my own happiness, for my own mental health. I mean, and you can. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that 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 is who she was, you know, and go on with my life and loving my children and loving myself and still going in Christ. You know, and and and, and, and leaving it as is. Cause there's nothing I can do about it now. She's gone. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to let what she did or didn't do or did or didn't say 
continue, you know, to dictate how my life goes. I can't. And I decided that years years and years ago that I was just not going to live trying to please her. But you know what? And as as you're speaking, you know, the things just popping in my mind, and I have a question. So how Mm -hmm. did that affect? How did that affect your um, siblings? You know, uh, I mean, did did they receive the same type of treatment, or did they resent you because she resented you? I mean, how did that work? Well, well, unfortunately, one of my sisters is just like her. She's bitter. She has she has a favorite daughter. Um, the other daughter is is estranged and she can't do anything right. Uh, when when she told her um, what happened in my sister's household, she was told that she was lying. And even to this day, as an adult, her mother tells her that that didn't happen, that that person didn't do that, that she's lying. You know. And and still, you know, my niece is still, you know, trying to reach out to her and for her to be a, a part of her life. But she just does not mm. want her to be. You know, she's bitter and hateful. And and I told my niece that. I told my niece that. I said, yeah, she's just bitter and hateful, and unless God deliver her, she's going to always be that way. So either you cut your losses now and leave her the hell alone so that you can be halfway happy, you know, or you keep mm-hmm. keep going. She called her on Mother's Day. She called her on Mother's Day. What are you calling me for? Oh my God! I just called you to wish you a happy Mother's Day. And you know, mm. you know. I mean, who does that to their child? Why be so hateful? Why be so resentful? Because your child came to you as a child and told you the truth, and because you chose not to believe it. Because you have the same spirit, you know, of demonic influence that your mother had. Because things like that don't happen in our family. Yes, they do, and yes, they do. And as long as you all continue to cover it up, it still will. That's why everything that happened between my my children, when they came and they told me, okay, we're going to deal with this. We're not covering anything. We're Mm -hmm. not doing that. All doors, all books, everything. It was an open book. We're not mm. doing that. We're not doing that. Mm. See, because that's the problem. Mm. Sometimes mothers keep too many secrets that are detrimental to their daughters, not only to their daughters, to their sons as well. And you wonder why our kids are on drugs, and you wonder why our kids commit suicide. Because all they ask for is somebody is just to believe that this happened to me. And then they have to go in their room at night and go through life and, you know, go through life with, with that traumatic experience in their mind with nobody to talk to. That's a very bad place to be. Mm-hmm. Wow. We, we, we set our kids up for failure. When they come to us and they tell us, hey, Mom, somebody molested me, or somebody did this, or somebody, we put them in a very bad place when we tell them they're lying. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, 
You know, I don't know if you guys are religious or if you believe in God or whatever, but the thing about it is at the end of the day, you may not have had to answer to that child, but you will have to answer to God because God gave you that child and put that child in your care, and you should have taken better care of them. Now, whether you believe it or not, I don't care. It's the truth anyhow. So while you still got breath in your body, you better be trying to seek some forgiveness, not only from God, but from that child, too. But from that child, too. See, And we don't, unfortunately, a lot of mothers, they feel like because they're mothers, they, you know, you don't question them. Well, that's a lie. Because even though you're mom, you're not perfect. And the damage that you have done to those children, you're going to have to answer for. So when you wonder why things are going bad in your life and you wonder why you're sick and you wonder why this won't work out for you, well, how would you treat that child? What did you say to her? You know, when she came to you in need. You know, even as adults, I remember, you know, I would ask my mom, I would say, you know, can I get a loan? I'm in Ohio. I got six kids. I'm doing the best I know how to do. Can I get this? No, I don't have it. But if my sister called, oh, yeah, give her give her, her last. I stopped asking. See? So I was very angry, you know. I was very angry, you know. But I had to come to a point in my life where I said, okay, well, you know, it is what it is. Stop trying to please people. Be happy for who you are. You're still here. Some of them aren't even here anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and it took a lady. It took a lady on my job. And, I, and you know, and I had just got off the phone with my mom, and, and she overheard me. And I called her a bee. And I say that be so and so and so because I really used to cuss a whole lot. And the lady said she pulled me back. <clears throat> she pulled me off my off the front desk and she pulled me back, you know, in, in the office and she said, "Now, Leona, I love you." She said, "But if I ever hear you talk to your mother like that again, then I won't have nothing else to do with you because you don't do that." And I was like, "Well, she is." She said, "I don't care what she has done, what mm-hmm. she has said. That is still your mother." you still going to respect her. And I thought about that because, you know, Miss Hattie, she, she passed on. I love this lady. She had been more to a mother to me than my own mother had been. I didn't want to lose that friendship. See? And I never did that again. And what she told me, she said, see, I wish my mother was here. Even through all the heartache, even through everything that she did, I wish she was here so I could just talk to her. I said, well, we don't talk. You don't talk to me. She said, it doesn't matter. She's still here. You never know what God will do. You know. And even though, you know, the relationship was never what I wanted to be, I understood what she said. Not for my mom, but for me. To get rid of all of that hate. You know, so that hate no longer dictated my life, no longer dictated pace in my life. And you don't know the freedom that that gives you and the peace that it brings to you when those people no longer have that power over you. 
See, so wow. it's not so much for them that you forgive them. It's it's more so for you because you learn how to love again. You learn how to look in the mirror and, and, and be happy with the person that you see. You learn that you can make decisions on your own and make good decisions and that you can be successful and you don't need anybody's approval. You don't need to look back over your shoulder thinking that, would she be proud of me because I got this or would she be proud of me because I got that? You'll be proud of you for you. And you will find that God will send people in your life to stand by you and to uplift you and to teach you the things that I had three women in my life, Miss Ezell, Miss Marshall, Miss Green in Ohio, who taught me how to raise my children, who taught me how to be a woman, what it meant to be a woman, a single mother with kids after divorce. Who, who who told me, you know, Leona, you need to come out of them bathrooms and get in the boardroom. Miss Marshall, God bless her soul, Miss Marshall forced me to go to college. I thank God for her. When other people told me, oh, you got six kids, you need to work, you, you, don't, you ain't got time to go to school, she forced me to go to school. If it was not for her, I wouldn't have my bachelor's degree. You're smarter than that. And even when I myself, I always told Leona, I'm so proud of you. Just look how far you came. I didn't think it was not anything. I just thought I was just doing what I had to do. You got kids, you got to do the best you know how to do. I'm so proud of you. Look how far you've come. The things that I did not get from my mother, the words of encouragement and all of that, I got from those women. And not only that, they walked and lived in a way, you know, where I could respect them. See? That's why I can come to the conclusion, you know, and realize, you know, my mom did the best that she knew how to do under the circumstances because we don't know what their struggles are. Being a pastor's daughter, unmarried, come on now. She had a lot of internal hurts and pains as well, and she had nobody to go to to talk to. So who's she going to take it out on? You have to reach a point of maturity that, you know, that we understand that sometimes it's just not all about us. Some things happen in our life to strengthen us that we can go on and push us to a place where without those struggles, we never would have been because we're endeavoring to prove a point. So as I said, you know, you have to take positive memories as real. And I understand that if it had not been for that, you would not be the person that you are today. You got to take the whole of the matter. The thing is how you see it and what you do with it from this point forward. Is it going to continue to be a hindrance or are you going to use it to motivate you to something better? At the end of the day, that's the decision we have to make. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Angela, Mm -hmm. is there anything else you would like to ask or add? Um, No, I just 
I don't know. I just wanted to see somebody else's point of view and why I struggle with what I struggle with. I just lost my mom in 2016, and I struggle with, you know, not being closer to her, not trying to um, really understand what was going on. Uh-huh. And and a lot of time I just left it alone. And I always came back, but I didn't understand why she didn't, you know, put the effort forward to say, you know, I love you. Or, like, for instance, like we had, you know, things go on and family, we never had a family reunion. We, um... We try to get together for dinners and stuff. It would always break up in a fight. Always break up with somebody disagreeing with something. And I, you know, I for the longest time I just felt that she liked it that way. <laughs> I don't know. I just had that struggle with her. So when I saw that article, I just wanted to hear somebody else's point of view. I just needed to hear. Yes, ma'am. Well, I I hope it it was helpful. You know, for you, you know, because it, mm-hmm. I, I spent forty, I spent forty years, forty years of my life, you know, trying to please my mom, trying to be that person just to hear her say, "Lone, I'm proud of you," or, you know, mm-hmm. I love you, you, you did a great job, but, you know, I never, I never got that, you know, mm-hmm. I never got that, you know, and and my mom passed away in in, in 2014. You know, and 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 uh, not 2014. I'm sorry. In 2011, um, in 2011, it was it was um, the 14th. She passed away on the 14th, August 14th, 2011. Oh wow, that's when my mom passed away, August 14th. Wow. <laughs> and um, before she passed, you know, I went to the hospital and and, and you know I had the opportunity to talk to her and I told her I said, you know, Carrie, you never call my mom. I never called my mom, mom. We always called her by her first name. I said, you know, Carrie, you know, you ain't got to, you want to be at peace. If you're tired, you you, you want to go to your rest and go. Don't wait on us. You did the best that you knew how to do. You know, and I said, mm-hmm. and that's all you could do. That is all you could do. There's nothing that, that can be changed now. All is well. That's what I told her. Mm-hmm. And I know she heard me because my sister repeated the same. My sister wasn't even in the room, my older sister. She wasn't even in the room. And she told me, you know, exactly what I told my mother because my mother told her. And that Mm -hmm. was on a Friday and that Sunday she passed, you know. And I know that 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 set her, her spirit at peace because parents know when when they've done wrong, it is not like they don't have a conscience, you know. Mm-hmm. But but sometimes we got to be the per- bigger person to say, I forgive you, and say all is well, that I'm not holding any grudges, because I wouldn't come around. Because all I would hear was, I told you so, or you should have did this, and you should have did, even as an adult. You know, mm-hmm. or, or, or like she said about my youngest son, oh, long you finally had a little light-skinned baby. What the hell did you do say, lady? <laughs> it's time for me to go. You know, and, and you know, and I told her, unlike you, I, 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 I love all of my children. It, I love the dark ones as long as well as the light ones. It has nothing to do with what pigmentation of their skin is, you know. 
And 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 so, you know, it just takes that sometimes. You have to be the bigger person to say, "I forgive you," you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's just water under the bridge. And at that point, when you are able to do that, the healing begins. The healing mm-hmm. from the hurt, the healing from the lack of closeness, all of that. And understanding, you know, that, that your mom is, is no longer here, you know, you still, you know, in a prayer, you still can acknowledge that and allow the, the healing to begin not for her, but for you. Mm-hmm. For you. You know, just accepting the relationship for what it was and knowing that, that better things can come your way. Mm-hmm. Because you got to know who you are in you, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 that that part of your life doesn't define the rest of your life. And if you can learn that, honey, I'm telling you, you will have the peace that passes all understanding. You will be doing things, and 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 you won't even recognize you. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's some good stuff right there. That's some good stuff right there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Angela, for calling in. Uh, yeah. We're going to get You're up. Welcome. Out, but, but since you're here on the line and we about to get up out of here, you got caught. You got to give us some last words. So give us something wise and, and, and good. And insightful. <laughs> okay, yeah. insightful. Yes, insightful, yes. <laughs> I can't because you caught me off guard. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thank you, Angela, for calling in. And thank you for listening okay. to the show as well. You have a great weekend. Okay. All right. Have a good All weekend. Right. Okay. Well, thank you. All right, P. Great stuff. I mean, that, you, you was on point today, P. I got to give it to you. You was on point. Ah! Uh, I taught you well. Taught you well. Okay. <laughs> Get out of here. Ah! <laughs> I, I know, but all seriousness, though, yeah, you know, great stuff for real. And um, I hope that it helps somebody out there because you yeah. know we know there's there's a lot of lot of a lot of women that went through that growing up. You know, they may have just been listening or you know they just out there, but we hope it helps. Okay, so yeah. see, with that being said, give us the inspirational saying for the day. All right, this is a poem I wrote this especially for this show, so I hope it helps someone. Um, I think I sent it to you, Mr. Puff. You can put it on the webpage if you like. Um, um, it don't have a title. It, it, I just wrote it. It just says, they, they say a mother's love never dies. It holds fast, goes beyond all time. But when that is not your truth, what do you say? What do you do? With all the hurt, confusion, and pain, 
identity loss, relationship strain. No words to say, communication void, trust I say to the Lord. He had loved you first, and he loves you best. He would not have it that you would settle for less. Mistakes are made. Can't give what's never been had. Forgive them. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. Only you control your destiny. Either continue to live a life in turmoil or choose to let it all go. Live happy and be free. Wow. Wow. All right. And yes, I, I, you did send it to me, and yes, I will um, put it on the website probably tomorrow. Yeah, okay, I said it. I heard it. All right. Great stuff. Um, any last words you want to add before we roll up out of here? Uh, you know, just just to the mothers and daughters, especially the mothers who, who, who know, who know that this has been your character. It's never too late to change. You know, it's never too late to admit you're wrong, you know. But it's a choice that you have to make, and sometimes it takes you making the first step, you know. It takes you, it, it, it doesn't belittle you. It doesn't negate your position, you know, as a mother for you to apologize to your children. Because, like I said, you, you, we do the best we know how to do. And when we learn better, we ought to do better. You know? So let's work on that, y'all. Endeavor to do better, to build stronger family relationships. Because for some of you, you all, you all your kids got. And then again, for some of you, your kids are going to be all that you have. Realize that. Realize that they, that you may need them one day, you know. So what have you earned? What have you done to earn their respect, to earn their trust, that they're going to be there for you? All right. That's it. All right. You really, you knocked it out of the park today. All right. Well, thank you, ma'am. Like I say, I appreciate what you said. And, uh, yeah. And you know what, though? No, I don't know what. Did you go off the air? Lighter. I don't know why, just my spirit is lighter right now. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, I'm going to tell you, no, I love my mom. Me and my mom got along like like two peas in a pod, okay? So I I really couldn't, uh, I can't relate to that. But for some reason, my spirit is better, which tells me that somebody out there was helped by this conversation today. This show today, which always makes me feel good, because I always say at least if at least one person, one person, has listened and and, and has became better, that's all I'm asking for. You know, that's all we ask for. Okay, uh, so good show, P. I love it. All right, so we gonna get up out of here. Y'all know what time day it is. It's Friday, so y'all know. Um,
Y'all know, um, y'all know I, I'm ready. Uh, you know what day it is. I had to go and roll some balls down the lane. But I want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been fun. And if you missed any part of the show today, remember the shows will are archived, and I will be posting the show up on the website probably tomorrow with some new information. So if you want to go and check out some things like that. Actually, I will have a video on there called Thrive, and it is a very informative, informative um, video, and I, I highly recommend it. Um, if you don't want to go to the website, you can always find it on um, YouTube, okay? And it's T-H-R-I-V-E. Um, yeah, it's a good it, it's a good video, very informative. It, it, it'll clear up some things that a lot of people have misunderstandings about. Uh, but if you want to go to the website, it's www.blogtalkradio. I mean, I'm sorry, www.ericlesstalk.com. <laughs> That's what it is. All right. If you want to email me, it's www.eric. I'm sorry, thank you. I just got www on my mind. If you want to email me, it's ericlesstalk at gmail.com. Or if you want to um, email Ross, it's p as in Papa dot Leona, L E O N A dot Ross twenty four at gmail dot com. All right, we gonna get out of here. Uh, we see y'all back here Monday at two p.m. Central, three Eastern, twelve Pacific. Uh, remember, keep smiling, show appreciation, forgive with open heart, but make sure you forgive yourself first. And the biggest, best thing, learn to laugh at yourself. People laugh at yourself, everything else is just groovy. All right, so we're going to get up out of here. For me and P. Ross, we want to say once again, thank you for listening. This has been Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Toss. We're going to take you out of here with the groove line. And everybody have a great weekend. We see you back here Monday. Peace, love, and happiness. We out.
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.